scouted uh, by a modeling agency. Even, even now, I, there's not a single day where I feel entirely safe in my skin. My mum's business actually went, went bankrupt during um, during, during COVID. I mean, I've been doing decent stuff. I've been London, Paris Fashion Week. I've been featured in places like Vogue, Elle, Harper's Bazaar, Vanity Fair, you name them. I've been the face for L'Oreal, for Aveda. So I've done, I've done quite a lot of things. And I think the reason why I got there was... So what, what is your Guinness World Record then? Because it's not every day you get to talk to a Guinness World Record holder. So the Guinness World Record is on... So, Louise, thank you for joining me on, on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, you have an incredible background and story and, and yeah, you've done a lot. So I just want to dive straight in and if you could tell us a little bit about sort of how you started, um, how you got into the industry you got into and sort of your family background as well, because that's just as interesting as what you do now. Yes, thanks. Thanks so much for uh, your lovely introduction and for having me on your podcast. Uh, it's uh, really appreciated. Uh, yeah, so I guess um, we're, when we're saying we're referring to what I do, it's I mean, I guess it's mostly modeling. Uh, I'm also an entrepreneur. I have a media production company. I give coachings. I give uh, lectures as well on different topics, including entrepreneurship, as well as working as a freelancer or as a solopreneur, especially um, so. But when when it comes to the modeling side of things so I, i'm originally from germany um and latvia where my parents are from i came to the uk when i was 19 um 18 just turned 19 and i studied media production so in in fact i just didn't really know what what i wanted to do with my life and i thought i, I just want to do something that's really appealing to me or something that's rather creative and i always loved london uh, i loved england uh, because i've been uh, in England a few times as a kid and I just really loved the culture and everything about it really um, until this point and uh, I, when I turned 20 I believe I was scouted uh, by a modeling agency which just happened really really organically through my network a friend of mine was modeling and uh, he's recommended me to his agent and then it kind of just just went on from there really and from what used to be a side hustle just to, to get, have a little bit more pocket money as a, as a student uh, turned, turned into a career really. So after my second year at university, it just became my full-time job really. Um, so it, it wasn't necessarily the only thing, thing I was doing. So my family has a medical background um, uh, of running businesses in, in Germany and Switzerland. Um, anything that's medically related. So we um, used to have a supplements company, um, a medical firm as well, distribution channel um, for medical products. So I've always been in an environment and in a family that's really, really uh, entrepreneurially wired, if, if you want to say that. Um, unfortunately, mom's, my mom's business actually went, went bankrupt during, um, during, during COVID and it's been, it's been quite a tough time ever since. Uh, for for the family for the family business but uh, prior to that I thought to myself well if my family and my parents uh, can build a business from scratch and manage people and run several businesses why should I not be able to do that uh, and I was only really young woman uh, here, here in London so I, I guess I was in a position where I never had the fear to put myself out there and and and, and just 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 ask for things and just just go for what I want to 
go for. Um, so I thought, well, mum and my stepfather at the time uh, used to sell supplements. I can sell supplements too, you know, I'll just put up my own brand. Uh, I'll white, white label some product and I'll just, just put it out there. Uh, and that went kind of okay for a while until COVID as well. So then COVID ruined everything as it seems for a lot of people in our lives. And um, also I felt that there was not really um, an infrastructure that was in place here in the UK. So I didn't really know where to start, where to finish. And I discovered that actually I'm not that passionate about supplements. I'm not that passionate about uh, medical things and so deeply in it in detail as as I thought I would because there's there's so much you have to understand when you're running a business when you're trying to sell a product especially um it's not just like yeah it's, it's just something nice and easy and like a nice side hustle you really have to get into it and understand the business behind it um and uh well I was I was struggling with with the modeling side of things too during COVID because as you can imagine there was no events there wasn't really um uh the, 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 there wasn't much demand at the time being for a few months even up to a year where there was very very little demand all the fashion weeks were um highly compromised um so so people wouldn't do shows they used to do digital shows which means this is a massive income stream cap for a lot of people in the fashion industry so turns out that there that there was you know little that you could do so not only uh, didn't have a functioning business and also I, I didn't really make much money off modeling at the time too I just had to sort of be creative about other ways that I could generate income right and this is how I guess I got more into the media uh, production part of things which which is one of the things I'm doing now yeah <laughs> unbelievable sorry. no no um, no this is this, this is really very long um no it little- was perfect absolutely perfect so um so obviously seeing your your parents uh your, your mom and your stepdads go through to start the business and everything that really give you a, a foothold into starting your own business and, and making you believe you could do it but do you think you think you would even if you didn't see your parents doing that do you still think you would be the type of person you are now because i kind of feel like being an entrepreneur is something inside you uh not necessarily external things shape that it's it's who you are and i think obviously you've done a lot and, and we'll go on to most of the stuff a lot of the stuff what you've done but i kind of feel like you probably had that inside you anyway and it, it was just sort of your parents what allowed you to really be creative in in sort of finding other bits and pieces to do and that's an interesting question because i think there might be uh two sides of metal right so there there might be Okay, yes, I, I think there has been a certain influence from, from my parents' side because, uh, for example, I, uh, I went to a university that was known for lots of people coming from entrepreneurial families. And I could see a sim- very similar pattern to my own, seeing that, okay, there's, there's young kids, youngsters in their early 20s. They come from family business backgrounds. And for them, it's, I guess, the most normal thing in the world to be I guess, a business owner, or even if it's a small business or, uh, you know, working within family business. So I, I think it's, it's a certain mindset that you might be conditioned into. Um, but yes, to a certain extent, it is also something that you, you might have to just feel and know in yourself. You know, some people have it, some people don't have it. And I, I, I guess it has a lot to do with maybe creativity also, as well as risk-taking behavior. 
because mm. even even now I, there's not a single day where I feel entirely safe in my skin where I feel entirely safe with the work I do because I just know tomorrow is a new day and a new opportunity and a new client and a new uh, uh, space and time so I, I think maybe it has to do with people's attitude towards life as well so yeah it might just be mm. but it might just be and the way I am but it also I'm I, I am pretty sure that that my family has had a very significant impact on on that too mm. um so how how did your family originally get into the supplement business then like, was that something their family was into or, or that our businesses before that or just sort of start a supplement entry because it's quite a it's quite I'm not sure about obviously in Germany or, or anywhere else but in the UK it's quite a sort of big step to just get into that industry it's, it's quite um like you have certain brands what have really monopolized the industry over here yeah absolutely so my stepfather is uh quite a recognized uh, neurologist in uh in Germany and my mom used to um is something called a wellness trainer so she, she she learned different types of I think you would call her a nutritionist here in the UK right so you would yeah, I think I think that's the best description for for her for her profession. I would, I would say so. They met through uh, through professional environment, and so well. I I think he also recognized her potential in how she could leverage his business. So he used to have a clinic back in um, back in Germany um, where he used to treat treat his patients private private practice, and um, she she obviously had you know sufficient knowledge of of other things that were sort of related to his field so and when they joined forces they could actually uh leverage and multiply their knowledge their clientele and their resources so I, I think the lesson that you would maybe take from there is that i guess people work best um in in, in synergies people bring different talents and different things to the table and uh you know maybe you're, you as a solopreneur and me also pretty much as a solopreneur, we, we understand maybe we have to do lots of things by ourselves, but then we realize we're not good at everything. And that was maybe also my learning process that I am good at certain things and not at other things. Um, so I guess that that might be one, one of the takeaways uh, from, you know, uh, from, from working with family business and, uh, and how they really started is they started because opportunity presented itself and they just used the resources that were already out there and uh, and just, just combined the dots, really. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree there as well. I think if people get into business together and they both bring the same thing to that business, it, at first it's a good idea because obviously they're, they're in sync on their ideas and they're both good at the same thing. So at first you can get quite a quick um, quick pattern of moving. But I think, as it says, once you start going, if you are too similar, there's going to be so many downfalls what both of you can't do. You have to bring in the right people in the right spots to to help obviously grow. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree agree with you there. On the... Even, sorry? Oh, sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you, but even with my current business partner, so we launched a media production company earlier uh, last year, and my current business partner, look, he... He, he had a problem, he had a vision, he had a fear, but he didn't have anyone who could execute it, but, but he had the financial means for certain things. So he brings the financial means, I bring the skill set to execute it, and we both bring maybe uh, a vision together. And I think 
you know sometimes you have to find synergies it's just like yin and yang you know not not everyone can provide everything within within a project or within a relationship right so i guess that that's that's one takeaway on entrepreneurship i guess for yeah, me that, at least yeah definitely i think i don't know if you listen to uh, diaries of a ceo with uh, stephen bartlett but Steve- I did listen to one episode today. It's actually, he's, he's really good. Yeah, he's, he's fantastic. But he had one with uh, Richard Branson on. And Richard Branson went, like, there's not a lot I, I'm very good at, or not a lot I'm good at, something like that. But he went, but I get the right people in the right positions. He went, I didn't even know the difference between net and gross profit until I was 50. And this is a guy who had 50 businesses by the time he was 50. And you think, if he can, if he can make what he's made of himself by just bringing the right people in at the right time, it just shows having that that vision and that skill set of knowing how to play dot to dot. The the world choice as long as you bring the right people in. So, no, definitely, definitely. But what is your media business then? So, tell me a bit, bit about that. So, um, the the media business has different different arms to it. So, obviously, being a being a fashion model and 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 you know working in having worked in fashion and media. I acquired a network of people in fashion in particular. So I started doing um, fashion productions um, and also commercial productions for, let's say for designers, but also for commercial clients for products. Um, but uh, the main thing that we're focusing at right now is, so we're, we're working on behalf of a medical company where we're, uh, we're hosting a podcast uh, as well as, uh, as you do. <laughs> Which is which is uh, the most recent project, um, and then I do uh, bits and pieces in presenting soon. So I'm presenting for a car channel, uh, which is also one of my main clients, and so we produce content for them too. So there's a, uh, yeah, there's different arms arms to the to the business, I guess. And have you launched your podcast yet? Because obviously, when we spoke, you you wanted to get ten guests, I believe, before you launched. Yeah, we 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 got enough content. We're just 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 waiting for the green light at the moment. So yeah, it's the coming and interesting good things are coming. How, how does it feel being on the other side of the podcast? Uh, quite quite funny, quite interesting. <laughs> I think there's a there's a different kind of pressure on the interviewee, but also on the interviewer. I found myself to be in positions where, you know, I kind of over prepared myself sometimes, and you know, I just just really really want to get right when I'm on the interviewing side that. Sometimes I just forget the flow of things, but you know it's kind of nice to just have a normal, good conversation. Sometimes. Yeah, I I done a podcast the other day. I was the other, on the other side of it, and uh, I felt so relaxed because I I'm really bad with preparing. I've I've never been the type of person who sort of over prepares for things. So it's like I said to you before, I, I like to just sort of let the conversation flow, see see how it grows organically. Um, but the worry with that is sometimes you might get a guest on who doesn't really give you much to grow organically with. So that when you don't yeah. really prepare loads of questions, now I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I don't know what to say now. And also I have to try and think of my feet. But I think when you're a guest, I, I, it's, I think it's, it's a nice it's a nice thing to relax. And I actually do think it helps you as a podcast host, being a guest on other people's podcasts to see how other people do it and, and what they do, and what right and wrong, if you know what I mean. Totally, because I think everyone can talk about themselves because they know themselves best. They know what they're talking about. Um, but then sort of, you know, kind of leading leading the way to the way you wanted to lead is is quite it's a skill and sometimes it does it does come naturally and also 
I, I just feel I had to get into the swing of things uh, a little bit. And yeah, but I'm the type of person who likes to prepare just because it kind of, I guess it makes me feel a little bit safer. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wish I could, but I'm terrible at it. So I just, oh, you're uh, really good, actually. You're really good. I'm really enjoying this, actually. <laughs> it, it, good. It's always nervy when you first start, though, because you never know where it's going to go. <laughs> so, Absolutely. But, but yeah, um, you wanted to, um, obviously, I think you wanted to talk about my uh, Guinness World Record too, don't you? Yes, I did. So I wanted to, obviously, that that was going to follow into what I was going to do next. So obviously, your fashion, um, you're, you're a run runway model. Uh, you've been in London and Paris Fashion Week. First of all, that's incredible. What, what was that like? I've just come back from Paris two weeks ago, actually. There was the old couture week. I've been going since 2019 now, so it's been my fourth year doing that. It's, yeah, so <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's always a nice feeling. Modeling is not, I guess, my main uh, business and my main uh, income stream anymore, but it's it's still something that uh, you know it's 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 is good fun and something that I can do and that I'm good at and that uh, people see value in. So I, I just keep doing it. Are you, are you passionate about modeling still or or is your medium more your passion i'm definitely passionate about modeling i'm definitely passionate about doing my media thing i think i came to a point at some point where i i felt that especially just during and just after lockdown when i realized that i'm so fragile and sensitive towards lockdown and to immediate changes that it can actually affect uh, my career tremendously and if I make that the only and my only thing um, it's, it's it's a little bit risky but no I genuinely do enjoy it just at some point I felt um, just just when you overdo it a little bit you feel like you're just being other people's puppet you're just uh, being other people's canvas uh, you're not really expressing yourself necessarily in everything that you do, but uh, when you can actually have a little bit more ownership in the thing that you actually do, um, it's much more challenging, uh, but it's also much more rewarding, I found. I never actually thought of it like that, because when you see obviously models, um, to be honest, I don't really watch a lot of catwalk models, but I uh, obviously like, like male models wearing sort of like suits and things like that, I love sort of keeping up on that and Instagram, what, like looking at all them. And you see them modeling for like GQ or men's fashion or, and you don't really realize that, yeah, they don't actually can, they can't actually express themselves. They're just putting clothes on what somebody else has given them, which not, might not necessarily be, as you said, their, their true identity or their expression. Um, like David Gandhi, for example, I think he's, he's a different type of model, especially when you talk about male models, because he has mastered the skill of really being his own brand and being a, a model in a very entrepreneurial sense. He's an own brand. He is an own, uh, I guess, a status quo for, 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 for the male model and the British male model in particular. So I think uh, he, is, he and his or his PR have done something really, really smart of really positioning him uh, in, into the type of person or the persona or brand that he is. So it's not only... It doesn't necessarily mean that just oh, people just, just put stuff on you. It's like, no, if you're managing it correctly, you can really grow a big identity business out of your imagery. And I think this is all the major goals. If you look at 
models that you knew from the 90s, Heidi Klum, Naomi Campbell, Claudia Fisher, these women, they are, they are the highest paid models on earth in this very moment, just because these models and these women managed to build a brand around themselves. It's not only, well, Naomi Campbell is in her 50s now. Well, it doesn't matter because Naomi Campbell is a brand, right? Everyone wants the Naomi Campbell to model for her. And this is where the actual value of the model then lays. It's not only, oh, we were just a blank canvas for the brand. No, we're actually um, an addition. We are, we are um, part, we have the image of the brand. So and if you get, it's a very, very entrepreneurial process, um, even in the fashion on the, the, the identity business, as you may call it. No, definitely. It's, it's like a statement, isn't it? To, to have somebody, one, one of these top people uh, modeling your your brand. How do you go from a catwalk model who's sort of just trying to make a name? Did you start with catwalk modeling or did you start with sort of other, other type of modeling? Catwalk, I'm quite tall. I'm six foot. You don't see that on the camera, but I'm... <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I'm a big contributor to, to catwalk still yeah. until this day. It's why right. it's right. I like doing it over Zoom because I'm I'm five seven, so you can't see the height difference. <laughs> <laughs> I look actually normal when I sit down. So if you sit next to each other, I think we're just we're meeting at eye length. So don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so how do how do you go from a catwalk model trying to make your name for yourself, probably doing small shows, to then building that brand and that identity uh, to become obviously your your uh obviously kate mosses or, or naira campbell's i guess it it works obviously i'm not a kate moss i'm not a naomi campbell so i'm probably not the right person to speak to how to become a naomi campbell or a kate moss because i'm i mean i've been doing decent stuff i've been london paris fashion week i've been featured in places like vogue l Harper's Bazaar, Vanity Fair, you name them. Uh, I've been the face for L'Oreal, for Aveda. So I've done, I've done quite a lot of things. And I think the reason why I got there was quantity and quality. Because it's a, I don't only have one agent. I work as a freelancer mostly. So I do have agents that support me. But especially after COVID, I feel there's, um, especially during lockdown when people started taking up all sorts of side hustles and influences popped out of nowhere, right, left, right and center. I feel everyone wants to be a model or can be a model or can identify as part of being a model. So it's easier than ever, I guess, to find a modeling agency um, if, if you want to get a, you, you know, a footstep into modeling um, than it's ever been. But the problem is that the, there is more than enough models on the market and there is you know only like a capped amount of demand for models which means that okay there's lots of models that 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 become unemployed or that that just just not in demand so it helps if you say you have like some really good nice amazing features and you find a, a, an amazing agent and you just happen to be at the right time at the right place you have a good clean brand um and then I, I do believe that, you know, as a, as a young aspiring model, you can um, be pushed into the right direction. However, in my case, who has been going from one agency to another and working with different people, I think a lot was up to myself to discover. And I think what really helped me was putting myself out there much more, right? If I, if I go to one casting, the, 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 it, 
you know, the, the chances of getting that casting is maybe like, what, one, one to 10, uh, two to 10, I don't know. But if I go and put myself out there and I, I approach 100 different clients, 100 different designers, then my chances of going somewhere is much higher. So I guess a lot of girls would think they just, just not only girls, but guys alike, but that think they just can just rely on their agents to make them big. Well, that's not necessarily the case. Um, and this this is why I decided to stay also working as a freelance model because a I managed to put this into my own hands, into my own leadership and ownership. Um, obviously, I don't need to give anyone any commission of anything that I own, which is also nice. But I also keep being more and more conscious of client relationships because the same people who booked me five years ago for their shows, they still remember me from that day and they book me every single season. Um, I think this is something... Um, to bear in mind when you're self-employed when you're an entrepreneur or a solopreneur is like yeah well it's a lot about relationships because people buy from people at the same time 100 I, I believe that more than anything i think so many people sell the exact same product um so who's the client going to go with the person they got them getting with better uh, everyone everyone sells the same thing for the same price it does the same thing but they like you more they're going to buy your product than than the other person's um definitely believe that but so how did you go about approaching these brands and these companies yourself then was that sort of like emailing or knocking at doors ringing up how did you do that everything everything that you named so from being there in person so whenever there's like a fashion exhibition or there's like some pop-up store event whatever i just go up to people and be like yeah i'm a model and i, I would try people's stuff on and they would actually see them on me in person, they would take a picture of me. I was like, oh, you look really good in that, actually. We have a photo shoot coming up next month. Are you free on the 14th or whatever? Yeah. So it would just, just come in organically. Or I would just, yeah, message them on Instagram because I, I put a lot of effort into getting my social media right. So, you know, you have a good appealing Facebook account and Instagram account. You put, like, lots of nice pictures up on yourself and you try to build a bit of a following. And then you just message the brands directly and be like, hey, I really like your clothes. Uh, do you ever need a model? Or, you know, you just, just find adverts somewhere on Facebook. You know, I, I just joined all of these modeling groups on Facebook uh, in London. There's like plenty out, out there for them. And there's some, some uh, uh, casting pages too, where designers would put adverts, where they'd be searching for models. So it's just like you just put yourself out there. And in, in my experience, more is more. Mm. So now I'm in a position where I don't need to do that anymore, that I've established myself enough so that people come to me. And I just don't need to like reach out and just just uh, just go left, right, and centre all the time. But um. so one of the things, obviously, you hear about models when you're growing up is that it can be sometimes quite dangerous and sketchy with some sort of like, especially when people are first starting off, um, maybe being lied to about the shoe or or things like that. Have you ever have you ever sort of found yourself in them situations, or have you had a pretty sort of good good? Um, like is, it, is it everything gone well for you? I know exactly what you're talking about. And luckily, I was never in the position where I had dodgy situations like that. And I was very lucky to, having been signed to a very good and a very nice agency for years now, the one that discovered me and the one that sort of um, uh, worked with me from, from the very beginning. Um, there is a lot of information out there. There's like lots of scam agencies that would, you know, approach girls on Instagram and be like, oh, we're a modeling agency, you know, please pay us 
300 pounds now so we can actually you know put you on our books or put you on our website or uh, invite you to your casting whatever there's there's like a few scams out there and i think it's just about trusting your intuition when you're when you're trying to get a footstep into mm. into this industry maybe do your research because there's more than enough information out there on the web that tells you modeling agencies don't charge no one charges you to join a modeling agency this is this is this is a scam this screen scam you have to be just as conscious of it the same goes for photographers as well i mean of course wherever there's demand for something people will try and make it and it's just about trusting your intuition and doing research and doing your homework just with everything else yeah no, it's good. I'm I'm glad because obviously as as a as a kid sort of growing up, you always hear these sort of as you said like sketchy stories or being scammed out of it. But it's just I suppose there's so much information nowadays that it's easy to sort of come across the right and the wrong ones, and you can fill it out yourself, can't you? I mean, the best thing is to, I guess, speak to someone if you know someone who knows someone who has a bit of experience in that and uh, sort of go with, with their advice, really. Just uh, I work with something called the London Models Academy. Uh, I'm a model trainer. So we train young models uh, on demand when they want to have uh, catwalk training, posing training, uh, phot- photography training, but also consultations. And we, uh, if they have potential, we, we will try and help them find reputable agencies and stay away from exactly these scams. Mm. Um, that we do so that's that's actually something that i do on the side um another thing on the side it's really lovely and really rewarding to do that actually to 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 teach and to be um contribute to to other people's lives in a in a positive way well obviously your own career at the same time yeah of course 100 percent. so that's that's again something else i want to get onto is your your lecturer in the universities but before i did yeah. I to to touch base on what what is your guinness world record then because it's not every day you get to talk to a guinness world record holder so the guinness world record is on running on the highest altitude fashion show in the world so we uh, in september 2021 me and another 10 models uh went on to uh, the Gokyo region in the Himalayas. Uh, we were tracking for 17 days and we uh, climbed up to an altitude of 5,500 meters. Not sure how much that is in feet. Um, and uh, we did a fashion show up there in the mountains. Yeah, that was a that was a bit of a crazy project, but uh, yeah, it was mainly done to to raise awareness for or against climate climate change, but also for Nepal and for sustainable fashion. Uh, so it was and this was also filmed in a little documentary which may or may not uh, come out at some point <laughs> through your media business have you ever tried to do something like with modeling yourself obviously that that documentary was filmed i'm assuming that probably wasn't filmed by yourself but is that like an angle what you might be able to go through through media and through catwalking um so, so what, what exactly do you so, mean by that so so through your media company would you be looking to sort of like can you put events on yourself and um like amalgamate the the runway modeling to like your media business and and put both of them together is that something you do already or or is that something you you could do oh totally i mean wherever i am and wherever you go you sometimes you meet people where um it's not only, okay, I come in as a model and I do a photo shoot for your brand. Let's say you're a designer 
uh, and I say, well, look, uh, if you're interested, look, I, I work with lots of videographers and work with photographers and I, you know, we could put like a whole shoot together for you. If you like, we could do something completely different for you. So it's not only that, well, you get a model, but you get someone who, 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 who tries to bring in some, some additional value. And I think this is how it started. It was about me saying that, oh, okay, yeah, we're doing an e-commerce shoot, but if you want to get a real editorial shoot or if you want to get a proper uh, commercial shot or something, you know, I can just, just put you in touch with the right people and, you know, and we can actually work a whole creative story around it if you want to, um, or we could, could could put a whole styling guide together for you, uh, which which we could pitch to like a magazine, for example, so we can get you published or whatever. So it's just it's just about using the resources that you that you're already having in your network and then just connecting it to the opportunity that you see in front of you. So I guess it's this this is this is really how the media thing came came into place. It was just about well, you're working with different people on an everyday basis, but you see that there's so much more opportunity around them and around what they do um, that that could contribute to their business. And then, you know, you just try and commercialize upon it and say, well, I can do this for you. And yeah, let let me see. This is what I what I would charge. So, yeah, <laughs> it must this be- is really- come, comes along, I guess. Yeah, it must it must be really interesting being on the other side of it when you you can do you can create a shoot for somebody else while you're modelling as well. Like you can see the the ins and outs of all the workings. What what business is it that you are in again? I'm sure we talked about it briefly, but I can't. Yeah, so I've, I've got I've got a couple of uh, couple of things, but so I I run a maintenance and facilities company, um, so that's mm. my my main thing. But then I also have a film production company. So mm. I am uh, a writer mainly, uh, but I, I do produce as well. Um, it's something what I started in 2020 because my family has quite an interesting backstory. Um, my grand, have you ever watched Peaky Blinders? I haven't, sadly. I was told so, I should watch. Yeah, he's, I mean, I, I I don't particularly like it, but the the Sabine is in Peaky Blinders is my granddad, so it's all my family. So the Italian gangsters in it were my my real family um and what how their story was portrayed in Peaky Blinders isn't actually how their story is in real life so I approached um a friend of mine so Ross obviously a mutual friend of ours I approached him and his business partner um his business partner James has sort of been a really close friend of mine for years and I just said Look, I want to do this story um I'd love to uh love us to get a tv series and just show the, the real story of my family and since 2020 we spoke to netflix and mgm um but being a very new media company uh production company we sort of really weren't getting anywhere with it um they said i needed a writer so i got uh rob wise he wrote entourage and ballers he's signed the loi to say that he'll come on and, and be the writer which is obviously huge went back to MGM they wanted sort of us to jump through more hoops um so we're still we're still pushing that and I've, I've got a treatment pack for it I've wrote three episodes myself now because Rob will come on obviously once we get funding but I've actually wrote another film um last year which we're actually shooting in two weeks time uh which is going to be my first film well I, I've oh, wrote yeah so that's uh it's really exciting at the moment obviously I've started the podcast as well last year uh, late late last year again it was more just sort of 
I I love having these interesting conversations and talking to people like yourself and understanding a mindset on on how you've done what you've done. Like I I'll, I've never considered being a model. I've never wanted to be a model, but it's interesting to me how how you got into that and how you stay in that industry. But then not only that, you see people on a surface level um, and go, oh, she's a model. She does this. She she got a picture taken and that's all she knows. But realistically. You've worked hard to get where you are. You've now built yourself a business around that. You've become your own brand. Um, and I love understanding and hearing them stories. What you don't get to hear every day, just seeing someone on Instagram, you never know the ins and outs of of their world and their story. And that's, that's so yeah, I, that's why I've started this. Um, and for me, it's just, it's just, I'm obsessed with people. I'm obsessed with getting to know people. And I think that's why I like writing so much because I love writing um, I love writing the stories, and I love understanding people's stories. So yeah, they're, they're, that's my that's my business. But I've had, I've had others over the years, and I've failed miserably on some of them. But that's that's where I'm at now. Yeah, you learn a lot on on the job, which is which is great. I mean, even for me, when I interview people on our podcast as well, it's only medical professionals that we're speaking to. But I learned so much mm. about topics that I've never thought about before and it's it's quite interesting how it really broadens your mind every time you speak to someone new and you research yourself into a new topic it's quite uh it's demanding but it's also it's it's really really rewarding very interesting I guess but that's the only way we grow right we we learn from everybody else if we didn't talk to everybody and have these conversations you live in your own little bubble and you don't grow and I think life is all about growth like you're you're growing every single day you're learning things every single day and the day the day you you close your mind off to stop learning i don't think you're definitely not going to be an entrepreneur you're not going to be a businessman or a businesswoman because y- you have to learn to grow you have to be excited to learn and then that will help you grow have you heard about the growth mindset versus fixed mindset are you familiar with these terms i'm not no so there's a woman called Carol, I lost her last name, but she wrote a book called Mindset, which was something I guess I picked up on an airport a few years ago, actually. Um, but this this was one of the books that really, really changed the way I would perceive um, the world, if you will. And I'm not the type of person who kind of goes around there and recommends books uh, without, without thinking about it. But this book was more about how... Um, Lots of people might be focused on success and what they want. So, you know, and it's it, it, there's nothing wrong about wanting to achieve something financially of, you know, wanting to buy a house at some point, wanting to have nice things and have a car and have a whatever. You want to go and travel and have a nice lifestyle and have a good life and have goals. And there's nothing wrong about it. But equally, um, there is a mindset that just solely focuses on the process of getting there. So let's say you're so focused on, you know, you, you want to hit six figures this year with your with your new business or whatever. And you're so terribly petrified and focused on on that one goal. So when you don't achieve it, it's, you know, you just get demotivated and, you know, it, it just all blows up. But if you have a growth mindset that goes into the direction of, oh, you're really enjoying the process of discovering ways of growing this business, then the six figures just becomes uh, like like just just like a side effect 
of this process. It's not your main focus. Of course, you, you can have goals, but you're so much more focused on the process and about discovering and learning throughout the process rather than being focused on the outcome. I guess you need a mixture of both, but uh, studies and lots and lots of studies found people who are more focused on the process rather than the outcome, they generally do better um, for themselves. So yeah. it's think uh, to to think about that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. read if you ever want to discover a path of, of entrepreneurship. Right. No, I, I will, and, and just touching on that, I I do think I've never actually heard of it put in that way, but it makes sense because I've had other businesses before and I've just started businesses thinking, right, I'm going to do this. And this is how, this is the end goal. This is how much I want to make. And then I'm even going to flip the business or I'm going to just sort of like pass it on kind of thing, start something else. And not one of them businesses really took me where I wanted to go to. Some of them I've done well enough to sort of become fully self-employed and, and work just solely on them. Some of them I had to work alongside jobs. Um, but I come from a very sort of entrepreneurial family. So for me, being in business and working for myself was more of a must than a, a dream. So I, when I was younger, I was just like, right, I'm just going to go headfirst into these things and I want to get to this much and this is how much I want to earn. This is the car I want to drive and mm. never got there. Um, I've been working on, obviously, the the film stuff because I have a huge passion about film. I actually mm -hmm. was an actor when I was, when I was a kid. Um, so getting into the industry again, doing the writing is is for me the best kind of thing I could but it's 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 refinding my passion for an industry what I I kind of didn't realize I'd lost the passion for um and then the podcast again I'm just obsessed with finding out and and getting into people's brains and understanding people I've always been quite into psychology um mm. i did do very well at school so when i tried to do psychology as gcse i got told i was too thick <laughs> but so i think my the rest of my life has been trying to uh learn my like teach my myself um the the psychology of 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 people really so yeah and and i feel like this is this this these businesses the podcast not so much because i don't really see it as a business i don't really see it as a money earner i see it as a as a passion project but the the film stuff um, it's definitely getting traction and it's not I've never looked at the end goal I just enjoyed the process enjoyed the the creativity of it and then the success will just come as a as a little uh, yeah side effect of your of your uh, efforts I believe yeah <laughs> that's the best way of doing things to be honest with you I think uh, Karl Lagerfeld was the one who said at some point that um, he was lucky enough to that was, I think, close to his death. He was lucky enough uh, to not to not to work. I think it's, I'm trying to translate it from German. So he said, uh, "I've never been working my life. I've just been living my passion, and I just get paid on the side. <laughs> I just happen to get paid for my passion. <laughs> I'm just get paid for my hobby, or something like that." Mm. It's such so, a great term. Yeah. And obviously he's he's known for being like one of the most genius designers for Chanel and for his own brand eventually. So mm. so that was <laughs> quite something to, to to put out there. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. And then I, I guess one of I don't want to say one of my goals, but um I like the process of what I do and I try to really stay focused and I try to stay conscientious of um of of what I do. 
uh, with sort of a commercial outlook in mind, but not entirely just just commercial, um, and and sort of with a as much openness as and as much of a growth mindset as as possible, um, and enjoy the process of it. So I think I, and I hope that this is this is going to last and take me to even more places. I'm sure. Um, yeah. I'm sure I can see your passion with it. Totally, totally. I think. And for you. I, I I think when you you start teaching, uh, being a lecturer for others and and helping others, I think that really shows your passion because it's not just a job; it's something what you're that passionate about. You want to pass on to to the next person. So what? Obviously, I know you you said you you teach models how to pose and and um, do the walk and things like that. But is there is there anything else what you sort of uh, you can mentor or, or teach people part of the university lectures? So yeah, my old university, EBS London, has uh, asked me to give some uh, guest lectures and keynotes uh, once in a while on occasion, uh, where they ask me to to speak about sort of like my entrepreneurial path, but also a freelancer path, and also me going from a freelancer to let's say a solopreneur or eventually an entrepreneur. Um, as a as a three step uh, guide, I think that's just just like a nice nice three three step way of of, of putting putting things. And then also uh, UCL, um, uh, sorry, not UCL, sorry, uh, yeah, City University uh, Bayes Business School has been um, uh, uh, has approached me too, and I've given a few guest lectures on similar topics with them before. So coming back to your question what uh, what else can people learn or teach well what what i really teach is is um different pillars and path of what 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 did take me to uh set up my business or to succeed as a freelancer and why did my first company idea fail so because when i tried to put up my own supplements business why did that not work out right what did i do wrong um and and how can you sort of learn from my own mistakes and how can you do better than me basically <laughs> so why did it fail but it felt um multiple reasons i think uh lack of direction lack of knowledge lack of infrastructure um and lack of commercial availability because i think it's it's really it's when people say things about sustainability in business what they also mean is being sustainable in a financial sense so if your business can't make any money uh if you if you can't generate any income yeah you have a nice product idea so yeah okay you can go out create your product and see if it sells and if it doesn't sell then there's something wrong with your product or there's something wrong with the market or you know if, if no one wants to buy from you then you know there is no commercial value in what you do that's the harsh reality of things but mm -hmm. finding I guess an entrepreneurial path in a more organic way, finding out what is what is it that people really want. Because getting people to pay for something is actually not easy. Even for me in the beginning, to get people to pay for using for them was not really an easy thing, a straightforward thing. Now, now, now it's different. But I just really had to try and figure out how can I really market myself and create commercial value around myself as an identity or as a person or as a model. So I think it's really about having a bit of commercial awareness and just just experimenting i guess the more you put yourself out there the more you try the more you the quicker you'll find out 
Yeah, it's you said it earlier. Is is you you like what when I said I failed, or you learn from it. I think you learn from every failure. If you don't learn from a failure, then then you've lost. But if you can learn from that failure and move on, then you're you're doing something right. But I don't think failure is a bad thing as well. I think people are really scared of failure, but I think I think failure is more like a mindset. If if you fail and learn from it, that's a good thing. If you fail and give up, obviously that, then that becomes a bad thing. And unfortunately, I think. People are so scared of failing. When they do fail, they they give up and and sort of don't never try again, which is such a shame. I um I actually was talking to someone today, so they had a um they had a like construction business. Um, he's twenty three years of age. He made his first million pound profit at twenty one. So incredibly, yeah work ethics unbelievable very smart um unfortunately he went bankrupt uh very recently um so yeah i was talking today he, he sort of went into a bit of a depression um didn't just locked himself away didn't talk to anyone and when i was talking to him today i went mate you'll get it back like you you've you've done it before you'll get there again you know oh no i, I will like it's it's just a matter of time i will we went and i know what i've done wrong now and I, I just thought for a twenty-three-year-old who's who's been at the top already to to come all the way down here to have that mindset of yeah no I will hundreds and get it back. It's just a testament to sort of how strong-minded you needed you need to be in business. And I thought it was such a great, um, such a great mindset to have. And yeah, it's exactly what you're saying. You just you fail and learn and move on, and and then you're going to succeed. I think. Oh, totally. That takes a lot of persistence. But that's that's obviously a growth mindset of his too. He's like not too fast about it. Some people might just feel their identity gets destroyed when they fail, when they lose so much money, when they lose everything that they achieve. But sort of moving on forward and moving moving away from it, and just having this 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 awareness of of growth and of learning. Is, is is a very big deal in business i think and that, that this is where your friend is doing doing extremely well so yeah well done for them i um i went into us as well so so obviously covid kind of hurt your modeling career obviously mm-hmm. it, it hurt your your family's business as well but within the modeling side of things has it changed has has the industry changed pre and post covid a lot or is it sort of getting back to where it was um it, it it's consistently changing so it's it's changing every single year and i think a reason for that is uh, well, social media you know the world is changing people's uh, also behavior and relationship to fashion is changing if you think about how many people could afford luxury back in the day many people can afford luxury items today this is you know there's so many more people who can do that so there's a much bigger hype around fashion and around luxury industries of, of course there's more awareness of sustainability um which means that people and businesses and brands are much more conscious of where they source their clothes from are we really needing new collections every single season every six months do we really need that or is is one collection a year fine um where do we get our materials from you know what about circular fashion so there's a lot of circular brands and circular 
businesses that popped up uh, that understand that there's a second-hand market and then there's a rental market for fashion and that is also becoming more and more and more popular um, and this is something that lots of brands and the whole industry keeps picking up on so there was entire runway shows just for circular fashion which means that there's okay there's fashion always been market but it's just about showcasing um the purpose and showcasing uh, these businesses instead of um, coming up with something new every single time. Um, but then there's the modeling aspect of things too. So it's not only um, diversity. So diversity has really exploded in the last few years, if not in the last decade, that means, you know, models of every form and shape and age and height and color uh, and gender and uh, gender identity can enter the fashion industry which means there's so many more models out there on the market, which means that for the normal model, it's harder than ever to get noticed and to, to, to become seen. I was, I was always thinking that if I was a model in the 90s, I think I would have already done so much better just because there was so many less models out there. And if you fit into sort of the classic um, height requirements and the classic shape and the look requirements of the time, you could just do incredibly well back in the days. So, but nowadays uh, you would you would just be boring. You would be too normal. Now you need a brand identity around yourself. So now nowadays, you know, if that, that there's models that get noticed that have disabilities or that have you know very interesting facial shapes or even deformations or birthmarks or uh, you know if you're transgender or non-binary or you have any type of different identity or different background um, then you might even do better even in fashion because it's become more and more of an identity business and that has to do also with a lot of influencers out there so people who can create a platform around themselves they will always do well um, whether they're in fashion or in any other industry just because there's commercial value in influencers um, much rather than than in models these days so mm. that's my take i do i do see the changes and i do see the good and the bad and the ugly that comes along with it and i guess it will always change and if you're an entrepreneurial person you'll just recognize the opportunities that are in there for you and you don't think that oh everything's becoming worse and it was so much better back in the days it's like yeah it might have been better but it's always changing uh and and it will always change the only constant in fashion is change right so if you're adaptable and you're smart and you understand what people want and what people like and what what brings commercial value then you can you can do well that's that's my take on it i think as well uh, um, a good way of describing entrepreneurship is is to be adaptable um if you can be adaptable then then whatever life throws at you not, not even just entrepreneurship just in life if you can be adaptable to whatever life throws at you um you're you're in sort of a little bit of a better place than somebody who can't be adaptable so as you said that um you're you're six foot you you've got the right shape for the sort of 90s type model um so yeah realistically you could be sitting there bitter going well 30 years ago 20 years ago wherever it was i would be i would be a naomi campbell type person now or, or no but as you said you're you're now building a brand identity you're building you're making your own brand you like would you have your own media company would you be doing lecturers at universities which obviously is a passion of yours if you was in the night modeling in the 90s probably not are you happier are you happier now probably because you're, you're following passions 
we, 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 we don't we don't know the answer to this question do we <laughs> no, no exactly but what i'm trying to say is, is it's allowed you to to um expand probably in ways what other people didn't think of expanding true true so um, i i don't i don't think it's a shame that you know things things have become difficult in the fashion industry and then it's it's maybe not the number one thing for me anymore um but it it's it definitely still one of my major things things in life even on this this weekend i had a fashion show uh so not fashion show a fashion shoot then london fashion week is coming up i still have more than enough work that's coming in for me and that's that that is good for me as a brand it's not necessarily about quantity either so uh, it, it can be enough to have maybe one big client in a year as a so if you're the campaign face for coca-cola you can live off that for the next five years if you wanted to so it's not necessarily that oh you you just need to go from job to job every week every day uh it's just like oh yeah maybe you're just hitting one or two big ones and that's that's okay for you um and that that will really leverage you to to completely new heights so is is that advice what you'd give somebody sort of starting then sort of be wary of of the campaigns you go for and not just take sort of anything or or when you're starting just take anything and just get your name out there well this is what i've done i've just taken anything i could and i think i've made quite good experiences through it of course if you say well you want to become the next look even 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 the supermodel names that we know even in their humble beginnings they have just taken and done anything that they liked really if you think about um uh people like kate moss for example she was discovered by accident uh by a woman called sarah dukas who who uh, uh used to run um select select I don't want to put wrong information out there, but I watched an interview with her, and she um, she said how actually she believed that Kate Moss, even though she was she was she was much shorter than the average model at the time, had such a strong face that that you know she could push her into all the big campaigns, and she did. So sometimes it's just about someone you know getting lucky because someone else is discovering you, and someone is pushing you pushing you out there um, to to the world. Uh, so sometimes yeah, it might be wise to be selective and just just go for for the big stuff from from the very early beginnings onwards. But of course, if you um, and this is what I teach most of the models that that are um, that are coming to us at, at London Model Academy is that if you want to work as a freelancer, if you're not sure if you can't get signed to an agency yet or agencies don't want to take you on, it's wise just to go for anything. Uh, just put yourself out there. Um, try try to get clients by yourself and once there is a certain bookability about you and there's a commercial value in it then agencies will see that and understand that and uh and, and put you on their books because they are obviously missing out on on on, on something that you can do so um absolutely just just go for it <laughs> so louise what's what's next for you what's uh what what big plans have you got coming up in the future so yeah, this year, I mean, uh, London Fashion Week is coming up, and then there's Marrakesh Fashion Week. There's uh, there's a few trips planned in a few fashion weeks that which are going to be quite exciting. Obviously, I do want to grow the the current uh, media project that we're having. I'm very very excited for that, and I want to put my, all my energy and and time into that. Um, but but also when it comes to the teaching side, I see massive potential in education. 
and education also in the field that I'm in. So again, I'm just trying to maybe use the resources that I have around me and uh, and and, and uh, find even more scalable value in them. But what exactly that means, we will we will see. <laughs> just enjoy, enjoy the journey. Thanks, and you too, and yeah. you too. You get to do very well. So congratulations on yeah, your side. Thank you. And thanks so much for joining me today. And, and I don't want to take much more of your time, but I'd love to get you on maybe um, in, in probably about six months time. I think one, obviously once you've launched your podcast and see how it's going, I'm sure it's going to go really well. And, and as soon as you do launch it as well, send me over the details so I can I can put it out on my socials for you as well. Super. That's very kind of you. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> Thank you. I'll see you soon. And see you too. Thank you. See you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's Two Whiskies and a Cigar. I really enjoy making these podcasts for you and I hope that you enjoy listening to them just as much. If I could just ask one favour, if you could like and follow and even possibly share and comment on whatever media you're listening to this on, I'd really appreciate it. That just allows me to grow the podcast, book better guests and in return you'll be able to listen to better podcasts and better conversations. Thank you so much.